All right, enough of that intro. We don't have a whole lot of time today, but welcome in, everyone. Welcome into Talking Catholic with David O'Grady. This is an early live stream. Hey, you guys ever watch? Um, you ever watch the Hodge Brothers? They have a great intro. <clears throat> Got a damn good show for y'all today. Got a damn good show. Got Michael Voris coming on, and right after the eight-second introduction, make sure you guys get your rigid Catholic merch. Just drop down into the merch. Get your merch. We got the we got the rigid Catholic merch. We got the living the dogma merch. Catholic mom merch. Catholic dad merch. We got the ethnic Catholic merch. We got the black Catholic merch. Italian Catholic merch. Um, Irish Catholic merch. So drop down to the description box. Get your merch. And if you watch on YouTube, you see the merch right up the screen. So I'm um, got a damn good show for you today. Michael Voris is gonna be on. Uh, quick shout out to the Patreons. Let me get that screen up here. Um, James Gerald, Christopher Capich, Jennifer Baker, David Harvey, Dr. Tony Livia, James Sebastian, Joan Perkinano, Kenneth Dirksen, Nancy Ferguson, Jerry Morris, Donna Schwab, OFS, Dor Petrus, Barry Phillips, Clarence Flintes, April Genovese, Catholic Stewart, Robert Tillia, Paul, DeLeon, KG, Diane, Shime, Elise Flagg, and David Raw. Appreciate you guys. You guys for joining me on Patreon. Um, have the best Patreon network where we got free books, free merch. You get copies of all my books digitally and audibly at some level. So make sure you join. Also, I just appreciate your support that you give me. Prayers, likes, shares, especially the prayers. So got a damn good show for you. Also, make sure tomorrow on my radio show, Guadalupe Radio Network, I'm going to have, um, we're going to be talking about zombie Catholicism. Uh, looks alive on the outside, completely dead on the inside. That's zombie Catholicism. That's just where we're at now, zombie Catholicism. Also, Kevin Pilon, Catholic financial advisor from Thrivent, he'll be on talking about um, Catholic from a finance perspective. If you have any questions for him, find a link to those shows on YouTube or Facebook. Post a comment there so Kevin can research your answers for you. Got a damn good show for you. Right after the eight-second introduction, Talking Catholic begins now. Mr. Michael Voris, welcome to Talking Catholic. How you doing? I'm doing very good, David. I, I, I hear you got a damn good show today. <laughs> got a damn good show. <laughs> Do you watch those guys from time to time? <laughs> from time to time, I've seen them, yeah, but uh, I, I got to say, I like your intro better. <laughs> I appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you so much for you coming on. We know we don't have a whole lot of time, but definitely want to my audience, you know, uh, the people who watch me definitely watch you, so there's no strangers here. Sure. Um, so we're going. I'm going to give them a chance to ask you some questions. And sure. but to start off, I was just really curious. When I was on your show, not that long ago, we were talking about me being Catholic and black, and how also being conservative. How it's not a lot of people like me. So there's a lot it's like of like a triple whammy combination. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're, you're commenting like, man, how's it feel to be alone sometimes? But I noticed when I was in Detroit at your amazing conference that you had a straight from the conference. Um, and I was talking to a lot of people, a lot of people from Detroit were there and they were talking about how sometimes the parish 
they have sometimes they have to choose in between working with church militant or working in their liberal parish, and how sometimes they get they don't get assignments or they can't be RCI instructor. How's it feel? You're in Detroit, yet you have a whole archdiocese against you. How's that feel? Uh, I guess on the one level, I, I don't really care. I mean, I, <laughs> I care in the sense that I feel bad for those people, uh, you know, who've somehow got this like weird uh, uh, understanding of what church militants all about. I mean, some people who are Catholic, at least, you know, the nominal Catholic, your zombie Catholic crowd you're going to be talking about, um, you know, they, they, they think the word militant has something to do with like taking up, you know, guns and attacking stuff and all of that. And, you know, because it obviously sounds very much like military. And on a, I suppose on one level, you can sort of let that pass as being kind of understandable. But for Catholics who are supposed to have some sort of training and understanding of the faith, to sort of miss the theological import of that term. And we didn't make up that term. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's just we borrowed it, obviously, from the great theological, spiritual Catholic lexicon. And it means fighting evil. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean going around blowing people's heads off, but it's just shocking to me the number of Catholics who, when they encounter this, and we get this all the time uh, in the secular world, uh, they think militant means, you know, violent and all of that. Well, on a spiritual level, you are supposed to be violent. I mean, it's violent. You know, you, as our blessed Lord said, the, the kingdom of God comes through violence, mm -hmm. violence to yourself, as in, you know, bending and twisting your, you know, deformed human nature and conforming it to Christ. And that requires a certain degree of self-violence. You have to self-denial. You have to, you know, self-mortify all of these things. And, you know, it's a struggle for a fallen human being to begin to conform himself or herself to the perfect infinite logos. That's, that's kind of a tall order. And uh, so, yeah, it requires an awful lot of work on that way. So in relation to that word, that term, church militant, I am, uh, I'm saddened, I care in that sense, that I'm saddened that so many Catholics who at least believe they're regular church-going Catholics are, uh, you know, just sort of miss the import of that. Mm -hmm. With regard to the larger question of, you know, various members of the bishops, uh, the hierarchy, the bishops conference and their staffers and all of that, not liking us and whatever. I mean, I feel sorry for them because I just sort of think that they're probably on the road to hell. Yeah. These are the people who uh, and that's not because they don't like us. It's because they don't like what we preach, what we talk about, what we air programs we do, reports we do, all of this stuff, articles that we write. They don't like any of that because it speaks to the truth of Catholicism, and they're opposed to that. I mean, we're very much aware that we're just the messenger here, yeah. and they're just, you know, they want to kill the messenger because they hate the message. So in that sense, again, I care. Uh, I, I care for their, uh, you know, their eternal lives. I care for the people that they influence poorly, uh, damage, they do damage to them. Uh, but as far as, you know, my personal feelings about, oh, they don't like me, I could give a rip. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. But, but speaking but speaking of that, um, the, the work itself, I, I, I remember I remarked, man, this may be a couple years ago, a year ago, I remarked on my YouTube channel how if the bishops really want to 
be done with church militant. They just have to do their job. Just do your job. Yeah. And then church militant wouldn't have to go after you or, or speak the truth about what you're doing. Oh, yeah. But are we beyond that right now? I mean, I, um, is is you do you see a, a future where you guys can go back to what you were doing when you were real Catholic TV and evangelizing, strictly evangelizing the faith? Or are we, are we past that now? I think we're probably past that. We were probably past it even at the very beginning when we began the 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 entire apostolate 15 going on 16 years ago i just didn't realize it okay. the point of anybody anybody not just us but anybody doing nothing but evangelization work i i you know you can't take two steps forward there and then seven steps back because you're running into a corrupt uh a corrupt human leadership of the church yeah. that are allowing you know gay masses and you know they never say a word about birth control or whatever when we first began the apostolate we were on local television here in detroit and the you know each when we would give actually meet for lunch and go hand the videotape over uh to the sales guy of one true faith for that week very nice guy and uh he uh his wife was catholic and he sat down one day at lunch with me in a diner a diner not too far from the original studio and we were sitting there talking and all of a sudden he started crying and this grown man starts crying, telling me that he had no idea because he and his wife, he wasn't Catholic, his wife was, they couldn't conceive. They went to uh, uh, some IVF doctor treatment facility, whatever you call it, clinic. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was only when he was hanging around the studio one day when he heard about what actually ivf is all about mm. and he internalized all that and it's like oh my gosh are you kidding me like you know we my wife and i developed uh the doctors using our you know uh, sperm and egg you know put all of these children together in test tube and then 15 or 20 of them were just thrown away the guy had a nervous breakdown practically at lunch with wow. me and i said wow. well you didn't know i'm sorry his name was brian and so i said i'm sorry brian you just didn't know you, you know However, the priest that you two went to for counseling who told you that's okay because you can't conceive, he is going to have to answer to Almighty God for that. That's a local Detroit, he didn't tell me who it was, but that's a local Detroit parish priest. So you can go on and evangelize all you want, oh, gospel, life, rah, rah, this is good, and yay, yay, and don't do this, and don't fornicate, whatever. And then you go, and then these people go to a priest, or they go into a parish, or they get there, and what do they run into? They run into an, either a wicked man who's gay and probably living with a gay lover and stealing money from the collection basket to pay for their vacations, or he's a guy who's just a coward who won't say anything about that, uh, or, you know, see, he's just a weak man who doesn't want to stand up and face the music of an angry congregation when he starts telling them about birth control or masturbation or homosexuality or transgender or whatever it is, yeah. or divorce and remarriage. So what good are your evangel evangelization efforts if they lead you to the front door of a church that when you get inside that <clears throat> church, what you're hearing is the antithesis of that. You're hearing the corruption presented all, of course, in good gift wrapped very well but it's all corruption and leads you to hell. Yeah. So yeah, we were behind. I certainly was behind. I didn't realize when I came back to the church and then a couple of years later began the apostolate that the church was this bad. 
I didn't realize, I thought what was going on with us here in Detroit on a local level was just, you know, some personality clashes with people down at the chancery, you know, because I'd crossed swords with them before in my career as news, mm -hmm. uh, before I got here. I, that's kind of just what I wrote it off for. So, yeah, I, I think we're not only beyond that right now, I think we have been beyond that for probably 30 or 40 years. Oh, wow. 30, how many people go into RCIA and then within a year or so leave the faith? So what good's all the evangelization if it's not rooted in the fullness of the mm -hmm. truth, not just feel good stuff, but in the fullness of the truth, right. then it's going to end in disaster. Right. That's what we see. And John Boy, who I know, for, as a matter of fact, is one of your biggest fans and supporters over at Church Militant. Um, he asked, does Michael think we may be close to a physical civil war? In the U.S.? I'm presuming that's what that means. Yeah. Um, I, 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 yes and no. <laughs> yes, as far if if there's some sort of violenty thing like a Fort Sumter moment or a John Brown's Ferry kind of moment, something like that. Yeah. Uh, perhaps the problem is that unlike the first Civil War, things were very clearly divided across uh, geographical boundaries. I don't know what the boundaries would be right now. Uh, you know, how would it? How would you? <laughs> How would you get a good civil war off the ground <laughs> when when you're yeah. not entirely clear if yeah, the your neighbor next right. to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, there is a little bit of a. I, I think, in some level, maybe not a civil war per se, but in some sort of dissolution of the union, I think some ingredients of that may be initially present right now when you see some migration, uh, you know, uh, from state to state with you know. Uh, red state folks going to trapped in a blue state going to I'm sorry mm -hmm. Republicans conservatives political conservatives theological conservatives orthodox trapped in a blue state now wanting to move and go somewhere else we start to we're starting to see a lot of that yeah. uh, but is it enough to solidify uh, you know I mean were there were there people in favor like large numbers of people in favor of slavery in say uh indiana during right. the civil war and if they were well they kept their mouths shut because it was against the law right so i i don't know that the stars quite align on this per se but that there is a great deal of you know uh, uh <laughs> uncomfortableness disgruntledness anger justifiable anger on the part of political uh, and social conservatives who are feeling like they're being bullied and forced and backed into every corner that you can possibly be yeah, I don't know where the escape valve of that is for all of that anger and resentment and everything, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, it certainly is looking for an escape right now. Where that will play out, I don't know. Most good, solid, political, social, theological conservatives don't go around and just start riots and blow people's heads off. That happens on the left. Yeah, that's it the doesn't happen on the right. So right. a movement, if you're going to have a war, you sort of implicitly have violence. And I don't know who would start that yeah. uh, on the uh, on the side of the right. Yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> I had a, um, a friend of mine sent this message and I got permission from the priest to talk about this. His name is Father James Peake um, in Pennsylvania. He is, you have experience with the Air Force. Um, he's, you know, he's an Air Force chaplain. And of course, you know, our bishop in our stasis military services um, 
Bergoglio. I don't know if you pronounce his name like that, but it looks yeah, like Bro Brolio. Yeah, Brolio. Okay. And so he he had asked, um, I don't know if it's that bishop, but he asked one of the Archdiocese military services bishops uh, for a waiver from the um, abortion tainted or tested toxin, mm -hmm. and he was declined that waiver. And so he's just he's just going to resign. Good priest going to resign. What's up with bishops, some bishops, not wanting to respect people's religious freedom and their moral conscience, but when it came to them wanting us to support their religious liberty and religious freedom programs where they, they just use for fundraisers, mm -hmm. they wanted us to get all behind that, but they won't respect it with us. What's, what's going on with them? Yeah, I mean, as an overarching theme, it is amusing that the crowd of bishops and their staff and their seminary guys and all the people they've backed who've been the sort of follow your conscience crowd. You know, the most important thing is follow your conscience. That's what you always have to do. Follow your conscience, follow right. your conscience. Right. I don't know very many people uh, who uh, are good, solid Catholics who do not want to get the jab, who have some sort of weird conspiratorial reason for it. They have a very solid reason two different areas, one in the morality of it regarding the issue of the, uh, all of them except the Nunavirus, the- um, uh, Novavax. Yeah, yeah Novavax, that one's laying aside, but Pfizer, Moderna, all these ones. These are all had at some point in their development, in their stage, research, development, production, whatever line, whatever in the line, the assembly line of this, uh, those abortion uh, uh, fetal cell lines came into play. So if they want to have a moral objection to that, I certainly do. If they have a moral objection to that, then that should be sufficient. You know, that's my conscience telling me I can't do that, right. Bishop. And you don't have a right to tell me that somehow my, my conscience is wrong on this. My conscience is well informed on this. Then there's the second issue, which even compounds it more as a conscience issue. And that's the health risks and issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, You know, we don't know exactly. I mean, I don't care that the FDA just rushed this through and gave it approval. You, you didn't do any of the normal things you do with a so-called vaccine, which this isn't. You don't do any of the normal. The human, we are the human trials. <laughs> yeah. Those people are volunteers. They're paid. They have a consent. There's all this stuff that goes on with that. It goes on for years. It yeah. moves from phase two to phase three to phase four and then limited distribution. That's why it takes years to get a vaccine to market. So all of those steps were skipped and given some of the side effects for, you know, pregnant women who seem to be, you know, they get the shot and the, and the, the miscarriage rate is, is 80 or 90%, if I remember the numbers correctly. Yeah. And then all of the side effects, and then nobody knows what's going to happen a year or two or three from now. And it turns out at the end of the day, you get the shot and then all of the Jesse Jackson, you get the shot and then you get COVID anyway. So it's like, why am I taking, why are you trying to do this? What's the deal? Yeah. So yeah. I have, I have a little bit of conspiracy theory stuff in there, but even if that weren't there, I don't want to inject something into my body that I don't believe in because of how it was originated. And I don't know what the health effects of this thing are. Right. I just don't right. want it. So right. you should be respecting that Bishop you know, about follow your conscience, but no. And I'd like to say a point on, on all this, this whole kind of religious exemption, sign the letter, all this sort of stuff. No American, no American citizen needs somebody else to sign a letter for that person to stand up and say, this is my constitutional right, my freedom to, of religion. I don't want to take this. 
You right. can't make me take it. And I don't need a letter from my priest that my bishop has said okay to. Right, because right, the it, Constitution it, is already signed by how many people? Yeah, <laughs> it's already signed. You already have a right to object to this, and you have no nobody has a business ordering you to take a shot into your body you don't want. Right, right. Michael, do you want to, we got about, I guess, about six minutes, six or so minutes left. Did you want to tuple tough questions? Whatever you want, sure. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll bundle these together. Um, so the first one from... D. Los San Santos, I'll, I'll say the in part. Michael Voris, do you ever have anything good to say about Catholic priests? It's called Catholic reporting. And I'll couple that one with, why does Voris hate the SSPX? They saved the Trident team mass without Lebrev, and there is no, I guess we're saying without him, there's no trad movement. So take both of those together, um, can, Mr. Can me, Michael Voris. Can, can you pop the first one back up? Yeah. There and every single priest is abused. First of all, never said any abuse. Every abusing priest. Uh, I'm sorry. Every priest is an abusing homosexual. That's a. That's a. Uh, however, among the clergy, there is a huge problem of that, and we hear that from the clergy. That's the people who are telling us that. Why don't you ever find anything good to say about any Catholic priest on the very spot I'm standing right here? Uh, in late June, we had nine priests sitting here, and I and who is that? Day D De Los Santos, I think, if I'm reading that correctly. Uh, I don't know if that's a Mister or Mrs., but individual. I would urge you to go watch that uh, persecuted priest summit that we aired. We shot it right here. One of the priests was sitting right where I'm standing right now. Uh, so we are all about defending good priests. But we're defending them not from the culture and that sort of thing. We're defending them from abusive, homosexual, tyrannical, sociopathic bishops and priests who are trying to X them out, get them kicked out of the priesthood, sidelined, marginalized. So, yeah, are we going to be talking about the enemies of these good priests a lot? Of course we are, by necessity. And, you know, as David said earlier, you know, this apostle was not founded to do all of this stuff. The apostle began as simply an evangelical tool. But when we ran into the, the problem here with, uh, you know, discovering and uncovering all the evil and the rot with all of this, and the vast majority of it is a homosexual problem, that's why 85% of the uh, sexual abuse victims were, uh, you know, physically mature teenage boys. And then the bishops lied about that. McCarrick lied about that. Wilton Gregory lied about that. They all lie about it. Yes. So uh, if we have to talk about it a lot, it's because it's a big problem. So yeah. on the second question, uh, why do why do Voris why does Voris hate the SSPX? They save the Tridentine Mass, and without Lefebvre, there is no traditional movement. Uh, I'm not sure which particular part of that sentence to uh, or question to take apart. Uh, I don't hate the SSPX. I hate schism. Uh, I hate schism because it destroys the body of Christ. That group is in schism. Three popes now in a row. Pope John Paul II said just before those uh, consecrations by Archbishop Lefebvre, don't do it. It's a schismatic act. He did it. That's a schismatic act. He was excommunicated, latte sententiae, by the very action he did. Monsignor Lefebvre, or Bishop Lefebvre, as Monsignor they say in Europe, uh, uh, excommunicated himself. So 
Well, he didn't start the traditional movement. He started a schism that is dressed up in the traditional movement, uh, traditional cloaks. Uh, I would also add to this that the, uh, and yeah, so I hate schism like I hate heresy, like I hate sin, like I hate homosexual abuse in the clergy trying to destroy good priests. If you don't hate that, there's something wrong with you because that's an offense against God and against the truth of his one holy Catholic church of which the SSPX have placed themselves outside of, but rub up against along. Mm -hmm. They have called the Novus Ordo Mass evil, as in you shouldn't go to it. If you can't go to any Mass on Sunday other than a Novus Ordo Mass, you can't go to Mass because that Mass is evil. That's not people inside the church. They have their own marriage tribunals. They have their own hierarchy. They have their own divorce courts. They have... That's its own church. Hmm. That's what it is. Now, on top of all of that, because they are their own church and accountable to nobody, they have massive amounts of sex abuse and cover-up of it. And they reassign priests here, there, and everywhere else, just like the other church that they refer to in Rome also did. But at least secular media got involved in that and helped explode it and at least begin to kind of tamp down the problem somewhat. The SSPX wants nothing to do with that. They are completely unaccountable. And what's the most galling of all is that they hold themselves up as the holiest of the holy. And everybody must bow and scrape to us because we say the mass in Latin. Look, if you want to go to a Latin mass, there's plenty of options besides the SSPX. There's the uh, uh, ICK, the Institute of Christ the King. There's FSSP, uh, Fraternal Society of St. Peter. There's all kinds of options you can have to go. And as to this claim that, you know, if it weren't for Marcel Lefebvre, Archbishop Lefebvre, there'd be no Tridentine mass. You know what? The Holy Spirit's in charge. And if the Holy Spirit wants the Tridentine mass, he doesn't need somebody to go into schism to save it. Hmm. Last comment. Um, the FBI has came out and said, oh, yeah, by the way, Andy says here, Michael Voris is the man. Um, <laughs> that's, but, a very insi- that's a very, insi- <laughs> a very insightful man there, Andy. <laughs> um, FBI came out and said that thing that happened on January 6th is what we thought it was. was it was generally a peaceful protest. Yeah, it's a peaceful Far protest. More peaceful than a Black Lives Matter um um, gathering, <laughs> but so, but they they use that as the pretense to not allow you to have your Baltimore enough is enough rally. They pulled the permits, but now that it was not uh, insurrection, are they going to let you back into Baltimore now, Michael? Well, I, I have to be somewhat circumspect right now, just because of legal strategy. But all I can say is that we are pursuing this uh, vigorously. I don't know if there will be that event at that site or not. I can't speak to that because I don't have an answer to it, actually. Uh, But uh, let me just say that, uh, uh, you know, you don't punch church militant and expect not to get punched back. (laughs) All right. We appreciate you coming on to Talking Catholic, Michael. And thank you for speaking Catholic about these things. And I know he has a short time. Maybe another time we go a little bit longer with Michael. So sorry about all the questions I didn't get to. But thanks so much, Mr. Michael Boris, for coming on Talking Catholic. We appreciate you and we love everything that you're doing. Thank you very much, David. God bless and God bless all your viewers. Amen. And but until then, until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours. Hi, everybody. Thank you for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the content you've missed. 
If you'd like to keep supporting my work, consider joining my team on Patreon, where you'll be gifted great perks like books, hoodies, and mugs. Thanks again.